You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tess. And this is Faith FM Radio. This is Faith FM Radio. Oh man, is that the first time that you've done the like the the first announcement? Yes, it is. I love it. I look <laughs> sometimes in the studio, my friend. It's just like you look over at the other person and you just you just kind of say, "Your turn." <laughs> and then you don't say anything and they're yeah. kind of forced to say, to say something, something because otherwise you have dead air. Yeah, so anyway, how are you going? Welcome to Real Faith. We Welcome are so excited to be with you today. Yep. Yeah. So how are you, Tash? What's going on in your world? I'm doing very well, Robbie. That's what you say most weeks. That's I a do. good thing. I, I'm actually doing I'm pleased. awesomely well. I'm a little bit tired, but I'm doing very well. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. So I hear you got some results back for your uni exams I and did. classes and yeah. you'd like smooth sailing, eh? Very smooth sailing. The official results came out yesterday, so Yay. all is good. It's good to see this semester done and Praise everything is passed and everything's good. That's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank so you. congratulations to all of our uh, our year twelve students who finished your exams mm. coming into the yep. end of the school year. All of the kids out there, all of the uni students, all of the you know, everybody who's finishing up uh, study or something else. We just want to give you a big hearty congratulations yeah. for putting in the hard yards and getting through to the end of the year. Mm. It's not been an easy year for many people, especially in study and work and those kinds of things. So we just wanted to kindly yeah. offer to you our big congratulations and congratulations to you as well, Tash. So we're excited because mm. this is our last show before Christmas. Yeah. And um, we are pretty stoked to be able to try and finish the first part of John, <laughs> yeah. God willing, today. So we're going to be yeah. continuing our journey through John today. We're going to be finishing John chapter 11 and then trying our very best to get through John 12. Yeah. And the reason that we wanted to try and get through that today is because that will mean that before the end of the year, we got through basically the first half of the gospel of John. And what that is as often referred to as the first half, the first 12 chapters of John is often referred to as the book of signs, mm. right? And yeah. so all of these signs that Jesus did, these, these miracles and revealing things that he did to reveal his divine nature. And then it goes on, and the rest of the book is basically the last week of Jesus's life and then just post his resurrection. Mm. So yeah, we're going to try our best to get through all of that today. So you'll want to stick around. It's going to be exciting. And John chapter 12 is a pretty awesome chapter. I mean, the, the whole gospel of John is pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. So it's going to be good. And uh, we're going to let you know a little secret surprise for Testify later. And we're going to have our weird and wonderful world facts that we're going to learn about today, which I always look forward to. And before we get to our next song, I just wanted to encourage you all that we would love to hear from you for our question of the week. We have one left over from last week that we're going to address. There's going to be a prize giveaway today with the code word, so you're going to want to stick around, hang on to your hats and glasses, and come prepared to get checked in, tuned in, and ready to go. This is Soul Stirrers, Just Another Day. Let my Lord, my Lord has kept me. Yes, it is just another day that I've been in my Savior's care. Yes, it is. Wanna say he threw, he threw his loving arms all around me. Yes, he did. And there I
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio, and we are excited to have you with us. That was the Soul Stirs with Just Another Day. I love that song. It's such a good song. Oh, so soulful. Mm. Now, just before we get into our interesting facts about some things uh, <laughs> that we'll announce in just a moment, I just wanted to plug that if you call in during our Bible study, we're going to have a free giveaway, and that free giveaway is going to go to the first two callers. You heard it. The first, first two, two callers. callers. When you hear that code word, you're going to have to call or text to 0491-064-669. And today, those first two callers are going to receive a free giveaway of this book. So this book is called God for Us. So we gave out the first part of this book, which looked at chapters 1 through to 12. But this of time, John. Of, of John, the Gospel sorry, of John. Of the Gospel of John. But now, this this book will actually help you unpack uh, the chapters 13 through to 21. So it's like the other one, this one is a down to earth. It's um, practical. It has ways that you can like. It's a, it's like a companion to reading the book of John, but also gives you some practical insights as well. I love it. Yeah. So if you would like to get your hands on that, you know, you 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 get through John twelve, God willing, today, mm. and then over the Christmas break, over the school holidays, what? How are you going to keep diving in? Well, you're going to have to do some hard work yourself. Enjoy it and get into the scriptures, but here's a helpful thing. So if you'd like to get your hands on that, when we say the code word, remember to call or text 0491-064-669 and send us your questions because we want to hear from you. Please, we want to hear from you. All right, Tash, what time is it right now? It has come that time of the day to hear about the weird and wonderful world of God. Yes. All right, cool. So what do you have for us today? I'm excited. I get so stoked to learn about the world that God has made. Well, King Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. And I find that everything that we've been watching lately or reading is either a remake or a reboot or a revive or something of the original. That's right. Yeah. So everywhere Nobody you look, can write a new story anymore. No one can write a new story anymore. And it's like some of the stories were good movies and now they're like a whole 24-part series or something. But... For example, I went to a movie last night, very late, with some friends, and um, it was a premiere of a movie which was like a compilation, like uh, like a continued saga. And in this movie, I'm not going to tell you what the movie is. It was a good movie, but uh, it was like <laughs> the culmination of three different kinds of worlds into one movie of the same thing. So they just reinvented the story three times and then put it back together. Yep. But it was it was good. Sure, it but was. I was just like, oh, the saga <laughs> continues. Yes, there are so many out there. I mean, you could look at 
I don't know, like the Star Wars saga, that's still going. There's still a lot of long-running movie franchises. There's uh, the longest stories. Uh, there's one here that's in Japan. 19, it started in 1979, and it's 171 volumes. Wow. So in those volumes, there was like chapters and books and cha- Yeah. For 1979, 171 volumes. Even when the author passed away, they continued on with the series. Wow. Yeah. Till 2019. So the, people are still trying to read through it because they've, yeah, they want to read it very carefully and it's still going. And, uh, it got me thinking, how long did it take to like make the Bible? Oh, yes. This is a great fact. This is a great. <laughs> I don't know what it is exactly yet. I have a hunch about Do some you? things. I wonder. Do you want me to guess? Yeah, guess. Well, I think that the Bible was probably written over of a span of, I, I would assume about, f- 1500 years oh yeah that's pretty close so they haven't dated it like, it's, it's hard to date ex- exactly it's hard to so date like, exactly yeah but, but like definitely, the books of moses the torah yeah so they say that the books of uh, moses were written about uh, 1400 years well, 1400 bc mm-hmm. sorry yes and then it it was finished around about the time of ad 96 mm. so if you look at that it's about yeah, fourteen hundred to fifteen hundred years. You, I got one right. I know. It's Huzzah! Good, yeah, and you think I'm like, ready for the breakfast show quiz now? <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> and for our listeners who are uh, just joining us in the afternoons, you should check out the breakfast show seven to nine Monday through Friday. Yeah, they do a quiz, a Bible quiz every day. It's radical. That's cool, and they get up early, early to be at their quiz. <laughs> Um, so that's what, 1400 years. You would have to say that would be the longest series series. But the cool thing about it is it's not just like a series. It's not, this is the words of God and how God has interacted with humanity over this span of earth's history. And Moses is shown by God, these things that would have been passed down orally prior to that. He's now recorded in written history that goes into the, you know, this basically like a pocket. There's like a compartment attached to the outside of the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where the the rest of the Torah goes, right? The Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God in stone, put inside. But on the outside, here's Torah. Yeah. The first five books of the Old Testament. Yeah. Pretty rad. It's pretty rad. And the fact that it's still relevant even today. You. That's, I think that's the best thing about any timeless story, any good saga, (laughs) any good. Yeah. That the story is still relevant even today. And so, like, we're trying to finish 12 and people, uh, chapter, John chapter 12 today. And there's still the other half of the book and people are thinking, but what? It's like, so I want to say it's to be continued. Like, TBC. Yeah. TBC. Like, reading the Bible is to be continued. You keep doing it. It's never finished. Like, the story never ends. And it's the same with your own story. It never ends. Like, as long as you're, like... As long as you're walking as with, long Jesus, you're with Jesus, your story will continue story, forever yeah. and ever. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love it. This is... I don't know how to pronounce that. Two flugel. Goodness is stronger than evil. Goodness is stronger than evil. Love is stronger than hate. Light is stronger than darkness, life is stronger than death. Goodness is stronger than evil, love is stronger than hate, light is stronger than darkness. 
To Real Faith with Ruby and Tash, and this is Faith FM. Just welcome back. And guess what time it is, Ruby? It is that time <gasps> where we testify. testify. So testify of what the Lord, of is, what doing. The Lord is doing. Yeah, yeah. In and real what- people's real lives, present day. Because, like we were talking about before, like mm-hmm. the Bible is a collection of stories yeah. that are in line with God's bigger picture story mm-hmm. of God making a promise to humanity, keeping that promise, yeah. fulfilling it in the life death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what we see throughout Scripture is all of these little snippets into real people's real stories, Mm. the lives of real people that really lived and how God interacted in them and uh, with them in their life. And I was like, we have, instead of a a guest, we have a real-life person in the studio already who's giving us our testify. Who's that? Ooh, who is that? It's my friend Robbie. (laughs) (laughs) He has something special he's going to share with our testify today. Awesome. So we thought we would do something a little bit different because, well, we have a lot to get through with John chapter 11 and 12, but I wanted to share just a little testify. I felt like we couldn't just not do any kind of testimony. So Mm. I just wanted to share briefly about the, how God is able to use whatever it is that we are willing to offer. Right. And I love this. I love this. If you think about if you think about the story of the Exodus, you think about the story of the Exodus. If you go to Exodus chapter 3, Moses is spoken to by God, right? The angel of the Lord, which we know from Scripture to be Jesus, is speaking to Moses in the desert of Sinai, right? Out of the flaming, fo- uh, flaming bush, like the burning bush. And what's fascinating is in that conversation, and we've done that, we've done this on the radio show before, we've gone through that story, but what's really fascinating to me is that in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Moses says to God, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. 
So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he says, a rod, right? Like a shepherd's staff. And then God says, cast it on the ground. So he does what God said with the tool that he has in his hand. He throws it on the ground and God turns it into a serpent. And this becomes a miraculous sign that God is with Moses. And I just wanted to to encourage everybody because the reality is God has things that he wants to do in your life, but not just in your life for you. God also has things that he wants to do in your life through your life to other people, to lead them to Jesus. And if you are a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter if you're big, small, you're you know, old, young, whatever it is, whether you think you have the talents or the gifts or whatever else, or whether you think you don't, God has something to do through your life to help lead other people to him. And I love that in this story, God gives to Moses a command. And that command is not, here, let me give you something that's totally foreign to you. And now with this new tool that I gave you, I'm going to use use you to now declare my glory and people will believe you. But he actually looks at Moses, who's been spent who spent forty years in the desert, just doing what he does, looking after sheep, and he says, "What's that in your hand? What is it that's currently in your hand? What is the tool that is available to you?" And he says, "Ah, oh, it's just a shepherd's rod." And he says, "Okay, cast it on the ground." So what's he do? He says, "Here's what I've got," and God says, "Okay, use it." And notice that what God does is He doesn't just let it do what. It would normally do, right? It doesn't, it's just, it doesn't drop it on the ground and it just stays a stick. He turns it into something miraculous. And I just wanted to share briefly how it was about a year and a half ago. I got an email and it just said, hey, we're looking to try and, and boost up the, the radio show and get some more live shows going on here. And I just thought, oh, well, that'd be an interesting opportunity. So I, I sent in an email and said, ah, I'd be interested if it's, if it's an opportunity. And so it came in and checked that out. And uh, a few people got interested. They got a few different radio shows planned, and that's how Real Faith came about. And that's how we've been able to do this radio show for the last year and a half. And what I what I just wanted to share with 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 you as our listeners is that I don't have a lot of skills, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not like he does. I'm, but no, but you get what I mean. Like yeah, the yeah, reality yeah. is, we've all got skills, we've yeah. all got gifts, and we've all got talents. But the first radio show to now, you can go back and listen to it. it does, it's not the same, right? It is the, the level of our ability to, to do something on the radio show has grown. It's developed. But it's not because of us being fantastic or it's not because of us. By the way, there are many, many better shows and better radio people than, than us. Just putting it out there. We're not up ourselves. But the reality is, by the grace of God, people have been listening to this radio show across Australia and we got news a few weeks ago that there were three people who were baptized recently, and they attributed a large part of their journey to the to the the radio programs that are on Faith FM. And so I just wanted to to let everybody know that the reason that we got to do this and many others were like this is not because we had some great qualifications, not because we were just like the best people in the world for the job or some some self inflating rubbish. The reality is, I had a bit of time on my hands. It was locked down. I thought, oh, I could do something on the radio. That that could be cool. Maybe we could just do a Bible study on the radio. And God has borne fruit out of that. And He's, I'm sure he's borne much more fruit out of that than just those. This is just three that we got to know the story about. And that's not any credit to us. That's 100% credit to Jesus Christ because his Holy Spirit has worked, even in spite of our weakness, our discrepancies, our fumblings, 
And all we did, by the grace of God, was we took what was in our hands and we threw it on the ground and let God do what he can do with it. And I just wanted to share that because I wanted to encourage you all that are listening. The same can be true in your life if it's not already. God has things that he can do through you that he wants to do. And the question is, what's in your hand? And what are you going to let God do with it? Because if you give him what's in your hand, you watch that God can turn you know, shepherd staffs into serpents. He can turn free time on a Thursday afternoon in a light schedule during a COVID lockdown into something that gives him glory by his grace, by the power of his spirit, that can help somebody on their journey just to get to know Jesus a little bit more. And he can do that through you and through me. All we have to do is be willing. So that's that's my testimony today. That's a beautiful testimony. Um, I'm just – there's a verse you wrote in my um, – uh, Robbie gave me a card today and it had the verse Philippians 1 verse. It was a thank you gift, by it was the a way. Thank you Not gift. something weird. <laughs> um, and it's the verse is, um, he, be, he who began a good work in you will continue his work until Jesus Christ returns. He's not finished. He's not mm. finished in anybody. And something small that he can start, he'll just continue to grow and grow and develop. And, you know, the experience, the experience together with, um, with what you have in your hand becomes an amazing thing that God can do. And so I think, yeah, thank you again for sharing that testify. And um, are we... We're going to listen to a song here. Yep. Yeah. And this is Danny Byram, Jesus Calls Us. Jesus us over the tumult of the sea daily hear him come out Christian come and walk with me Jesus calls us from the worship of the things that we
We're the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson, and you can join us every morning on The Breakfast Show. We cover news that matters and do our encounter with God. We also have an intense quiz, great giveaways, awe-inspiring music, and best of all, you can have your say and be a part of the Bracky family. We're live across Australia, so check your Faith FM program for your local airtime. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. We're having a party and you're invited. New Star Juice and the RTMOP shop are celebrating their second anniversary with 20 days of festivities for all. At New Star Juice, we're giving away two items for the price of one for 20 days. Buy one, get one free. And the RTM Op Shop is selling bags for just $20. Whatever items from the shop you can fit in the bag is yours. Clothes, appliances, shoes, books, teddy bears. You can have it all for only $20. Don't miss this opportunity as it's only available while supplies last. Come celebrate with us for 20 days from the 22nd of November to the 17th of December at both New Start Juice and the RTM Op Shop. Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 45 William Street, Raymond Terry. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And just before we get into our Bible study, we wanted to remind you that you can call or text in with your questions for our Question of the Week portion at the end of the show. We'd love to hear from you. You can call or text in at any time during our Bible study. And we're going to tell a code word at some point during the Bible study. And when you hear that code word, call or text it to 0491-064-669 to receive a free copy of this. Our first two callers today are going to receive a free copy of this book. The book God for Us According to John. So it covers the chapters 13 through to 21. And it's not just covering chapters 13 to 21. It's like a read-along companion, but it will give you practical insights into the rest of the book of John. And awesome. so, yeah. So when you hear that code word, make sure you call or text 0491-064-669. So we're going to start with a word of prayer, and we're going to continue in John chapter 11, starting in verse 45. Father God, we just come before you now and we ask for your presence with us. May your Holy Spirit speak to us and speak through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So last week we finished off with Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the grave. And in the story, he is now raised up to newness of life. And Jesus has given the instruction to unbind him from the grave clothes that he had been wearing. So we're continuing in John chapter 11, the fourth book of the New Testament. Matthew, then Mark, then Luke, then John. Chapter 11, verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. Now some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. 
He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So from that day on they made plans to put him to death. Jesus therefore no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to the region near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Hectic. So the response of the religious leaders in Jesus' day to this miracle where Jesus has literally resurrected someone who was dead for four days back to life is such that they say, look, look how many people are believing him. If we continue to let him do what he is doing, then everyone will go after and follow Jesus. And their primary concern is that this will be negative for their nation, Mm. right? So nationalism takes precedence over the word of God. Yeah. Boom. Are there times where that might happen in our own lives today? Yeah, of course. Fully, man. What else is coming out in this little section? Also that they cared more about their national pride than any than, than, than a person. And they were willing to sacrifice one person for, the, for themselves. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. Yeah. Right? So when you think about that from the perspective of I chose to sacrifice you for the greater good of all of humanity, right? If I was doing that to you, that would be called murder. Yeah. Now, if you volunteered yourself to do it, that would be something totally different, right? If you volunteered yourself to say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll lay my life down for everybody, that's not the same thing, right? Yeah. You would be consenting, but what's going on here is they are now plotting the murder of Jesus to protect and preserve their national status as a province of Rome, mm. right? Isn't that crazy yeah. to think about? So they didn't want to rock the boat, you know? They didn't want to annoy anybody. They didn't want to, oh, they just wanted to make sure that everything was good. Something else that I think is really profound in here before we move on is that it's very interesting that the high priest who had been anointed by God, right, in the sense that, like, they anointed him in the name of God to do this ministry, he was blessed by God in a sense, right? Mm. And it's interesting that here he doesn't realize it, but in his position as the leader of Israel, what he is saying here is prophetic, right? Jesus will die for the sake of the whole nation, but not just the literal nation of Israel, but for all of humanity, that the death of Jesus is actually given so that all the people might not perish if they put their faith in him. And it's amazing to me because sometimes God speaks even through unwilling vessels unintentionally, right? Like God used him even though he was walking away from faith. God is able to bring good out of even these situations. And he brought truth out of even the mouth of Caiaphas who was plotting the death of Jesus Christ. Powerful. Powerful. And everybody's wondering, where is he? And now the order's out. If you see Jesus, let us know where he is. Why? Because we are plotting to kill him. All right, we're coming into chapter 12 now. So this is John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there, 
Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary, therefore, took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Beautiful. Okay, so what's going on here? This is this is hectic, right? So we're, we're kind of moving along a little bit quicker than normal because we've got a lot of ground to cover today, and we, we're not here next week. So we don't really have the opportunity to make it up. So what's happening here? It's six days before the Passover. Now, the Passover, remember, is one of the three festivals that happened annually where people would come gather mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. So this is six days before. So people are arriving from all over the place. In fact, some are even coming from other countries and coming here to celebrate the Passover. Yeah. So it's busy. It's crowded. There's a lot of things going on. But here we see that Jesus is back with with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And what's interesting as well is that John again points out Lazarus, who was dead, who is now alive. So he just wants you to make sure that you know Lazarus, I know we just finished that story last week, but Lazarus is alive and he is well and he's reclining with him. But the the thing here that that um we see in a lot of paintings, we see in a lot of art is um uh, when Mary anoints Jesus' feet with with this oil, and it's such a beautiful beautiful token of what's going on in her in her heart, what she's feeling for Jesus, and just how humbly she wants to serve him. But Judas is like, oh, "What is going on here?" Like, why is this woman doing this thing? And then you hear, it goes on further, but the the motivations of why Judas is actually calling her out. It's pretty hectic, hey, because it sounds on the surface level. Like, if you didn't know the rest of the story, you would think, I would think, let's be honest, I would think, yeah, Judas is probably right. Like, why would you waste all of this expensive perfume? You could sell it. You could help the poor. And at the surface level, that sounds like really sound logic. It sounds like really charitable logic. And yet... What's behind that is what's so often behind comments that sometimes come out like that is that our human selfishness can get in behind that because here he is. He's not interested in giving it to the poor. He's actually interested in taking it and and pocketing it himself. And what's fascinating is that sometimes we do this ourselves, right? Humanity is – we're all guilty of things like this where something that belonged to someone else that they wanted to give as a gift to honor this other person – we think that somehow we're entitled to that, even though we didn't earn it. We didn't do anything for it. And I just think it's interesting there. But one, one other thing, a friend pointed this out to me once. This is just six days before the Passover. We know that Jesus was crucified just after eating the Passover meal, right? So like like the, the evening, they ate the Passover meal in the evening on Thursday night. He's up and, and crucified on the Friday. You don't bathe a whole lot in the first century in Palestine. And here is a whole bottle of expensive essential oils, and it's all over his hair, it's all over his feet, it's dribbling down his beard, and when Jesus is on the cross, this is the scent that he would have breathed over and over and over again. And all throughout this final week of his life and ministry, he would have been breathing in a reminder that somebody, somebody 
believed in him enough to anoint him for his burial. Isn't that powerful? And so when he's up on the cross later, every breath that he takes in the midst of his agony, he can be reminded there's at least one who gets it. There's at least one who wants to receive the salvation that I have come to give by laying down my life for them. This is CeCe Winnin's Alabaster Box. So now I'm giving 
Don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and dry them with my hair. My hair, you are there. The night Jesus found me. You did not feel what I felt when he wrapped his loving arms around me. And you don't know the cause of the oil. Oh, you don't know the cause of my praise. You don't know the cause of the oil in my alabaster You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. We, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed that song by C.C. Winnens, Alabaster Box. Before we get back into our Bible study in John chapter 12, we just wanted to remind you that you can call or text in with any questions that you have about God, religion, the Bible, Jesus, etc., practical Christianity, you name it. We'd love to hear from you. You can call or text 0491-064. Sorry, let me say that again, 0491-064-669, with those questions anytime before the end of the show, before our question of the week portion, I should say, at the end of the show, and we'll try and get to those. We've got one question in already from last week, but jump in because we want to mm. hear from you. And uh, just Let's a reminder, we're going to give a code word sometime during this Bible study, and when you hear that, you can call or text it to the same number, and the first two callers today will receive a free copy of the book God for Us According to John, and it covers the chapters 13. Three to three to twenty one, and it's not just it's not just a uh, a read along guide. It is a down to earth, uh, has a writing style which will unpack some timeless truths, and um, you will be able to not only read but discover some practical truths about the last part of the book of John. So chapters thirteen through to twenty one. Beautiful. All right, so we're back in the Gospel of John, chapter twelve, starting in verse nine. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came, not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Whoa! Slow down for just two seconds. Wait a moment. Check that out. No, this is like, it's easy to just brush past that and think, oh yeah, that makes sense. Now think about this. Think about this. Jesus has resurrected a human being mm-hmm. from the dead, and it's gathering so much interest and attention that people, when they, when they see this, they are coming to believe in Jesus Christ. And I love this, because the fact that Lazarus was dead and is raised is pretty miraculous. Mm. But there are other situations that happen that are not resurrection where God has turned someone, turned someone's life totally around. And when people see it, they see Jesus more clearly and it inspires people to come to faith. And I just want to highlight something here that in this story, not only was Jesus the target of an, of, of an assassination attempt essentially, but now those who associate with him are being lumped into the same basket because when you associate yourself with the life of Jesus you become 
two things. One, you become, an, you become a witness and a testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And when that happens, people see Jesus in you. It, it chops down the trees, so to speak, to help them see Jesus more clearly. It helps people to come to know Jesus. And because of that, point number two, you become enemy target number one, right? The devil wants to take you out. But I just want to highlight this because sometimes we think life with Jesus, and by the way, life with Jesus is the best life uh, that you will ever a, live, yeah. full stop, and it goes forever, even better, right? But the reality is sometimes we think we can get caught up in the prosperity gospel thinking, well, if I follow Jesus, everything's going to be all sweet. But I want you to notice the person who received perhaps the biggest miracle, right, that's done in the whole of the New Testament, <laughs> right, becomes a target for assassination simply because of what Jesus had done in his life. So following Jesus sometimes will get us into situations where people who are working for the enemy, working for Satan, working on behalf of the devil and his fallen angels, will target us. We should not be discouraged by that, but we should hold on to the hope that Jesus, because he could raise Lazarus from the dead then, he is going to raise us at the second coming at his res- and, and at the day of resurrection. Ah. So good. Okay, that's all I had to say. Sorry. No, there's so much to say there, and and you're right. Like, um, when you're a follower of Jesus, there's going to be a target on your back. Like the the devil, it's very real. It's a spiritual battle. It's a, a lot of unseen things, and it's yeah, definitely real. And don't be discouraged by that because yeah. Jesus Himself preached, and He said, "Do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot destroy the soul." And then he says, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in Gehenna, or hell is the English translation usually, um, which was the burning ash heap outside of the burning rubbish heap outside of the city of Jerusalem by name, literally, was what Gehenna means. Mm. He says, but fear God. Don't fear what man can do to you. Fear God, because God is in control of your eternal destiny in that sense. So like, he's going to resurrect you if you put your faith and your hope in Jesus. Anyway, love it. All right, let's keep reading because we still got a lot of ground to cover. We could stop there for a year. It's such a good passage. Okay, we're picking up from verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Awesome. Okay, what's going on here? This is intense. Like, as you read through this chapter, you just notice the, the, the pressure is cooking. It is getting more and more intense as everything goes on. And I can't remember if, we, if I missed it before, and maybe it was read, maybe they mentioned it in another passage. But notice what it calls Jesus resurrecting Lazarus from the dead. It calls it a sign. Mm. So this is our seventh sign in the book of John, right? The wedding feast at Cana, the water into wine, the healing of the paralyzed man, the healing of et cetera, et cetera, right? We go through these, and you've got all of these seven signs. And now you have the last one. The seventh sign is this, where Jesus has resurrected someone from the dead. And notice how many times, as you said before, John 
mentions this, mm. right? This is like the culminating thing that Jesus has demonstrated. And if you look at all of the signs, now that I'm thinking about it, think about what it demonstrates about Jesus, right? The first sign demonstrates the creative ability of Jesus as the maker. When you look at Jesus healing the blind or healing the paralyzed, right? What he, It's demonstrating things about the character of God, the restorative, creative, redemptive power of Jesus Christ, Right. Not only can Jesus heal illnesses like a man who's been who's been paralyzed for most of his life. Right. Not only that, but he can restore eyes that have never, ever functioned. He can recreate. He can redeem. He can recreate. He can even resurrect the dead back to new life. And so what are all of these signs doing? Remember the word semeon in the Greek is what sign is, and it reveals the character and the nature of the very person who is performing these miraculous works. It reveals them. So here's the seventh one, and I want you to just notice this. The emphasis is that here Jesus, who had been identified as the resurrection and the life, is now here performed, right? Because the resurrection and the life was the seventh sign. Because what is our biggest fear as humanity? Our biggest fear is that the grave is the end forever. But the Bible doesn't describe it that way. Jesus himself in the previous chapter said, death is a sleep. We shut our eyes, we know nothing, and we await the first thing that we will see in the resurrection, which is the face of Jesus. Right? Just think about that beautiful picture. And this is the culminating sign. All seven, right? And John has a thing about sevens. He's got seven I am statements, seven definitive ego Amy I am statements, seven signs. And what are they pointing to? They're all culminating and showing that Jesus is the maker and the savior of all who would come to him. Powerful, powerful stuff. I love it. Anything else to, to mention there? I just think it's just like boom shakalaka. That's good stuff right there. <laughs> nothing nothing to add. I think you got it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep reading then because we're now getting into a section that I think is really interesting. So we're picking up in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Oh, goodness me. We're going to have to talk about this more. We're going to talk a little bit right now, but we're going to... We're going to come back and flesh this out a little bit more after the next song, but I want to just start with this point. Mm-hmm. Notice the the whole like, not 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 Chinese whispers, but in, it's kind of like that. And but it's just not whispers. It's like, hey, hey, we want to go talk to Jesus. So notice these are Greeks. It says so. The point here is that they are not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the word of God is coming so powerfully that here there are some Greeks who are there to worship at the feast. Now, either they're Greek-speaking Jews, perhaps, right? So they're Greeks from the diaspora, or they are proselytes, non-Jewish people, who have come to believe in Yahweh, the God of Israel, to the point where they are now coming to celebrate the Passover. And what are they doing? They see Jesus, and they want to speak to him. So where do they go? They go to Philip. 
Philip's not got apparently enough confidence to go by himself. And he's like, should we? Should we? Is, are the Greeks allowed to speak to Jesus? Should we do this? He goes to Andrew, and I imagine they confer, and then they come to Jesus, and Jesus' response is absolutely incredible. This is Tim and Abby. Be near me now. are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio, and we're excited to have you with us today. That was Tim and Abby, Be Near Me Now. And uh, just before we get back into our Bible study, just a fresh reminder, in case you were uh, not listening before, we wanted to make sure that you know now that you can send any questions that you might have into us by calling or texting 491 064-669, and we will address those at the end of our show at the question of the week portion, which will come just after the hourly news, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. So please send in your questions, yeah. call or text to 491 and also today we have a free giveaway, and we're going to give a code word at some point during this Bible study. It's not just yet, but it's it could be coming any time. 
So keep your phone nearby, safely, on speed dial. And uh, the first two callers today are going to receive a free copy of the following book. This book is God is for us, and it's a book according to John. So it covers chapters 13 right through to 21, and it's a practical guide in how you can unpack God's Word. And especially looking at John and how, yeah, the beautiful way in which he looks at Jesus' life. And this book, we still, have we got callers yet? Still got two? I think we still have two copies. We so still please. have two copies. So That's because we didn't do the code word, Tash. Oh. They can't call in until we Can get the we code word. the code word? Yeah, now. do it now. Go. <laughs> Pick it. Go. Code Hurry. Word? Code word. What is it? Is saga. Saga. S-A-G-A. In case you don't know how to spell that. Saga. Because the Bible is kind of like a saga. It's a, it's a joint together bunch of stories that are really connected to the one story. The story of Jesus. Mm. All right, so text or call Saga, S-A-G-A, in case you don't know how to spell that one, to 0491-064-669. That number again is 0491-064-669, and you will get your hands on that if you're the first two callers. Mm. All righty, so we're back in to John chapter 12. Now, Jesus has just said this commentary. Oh, we got one. There's one caller in. Make sure you're quick. There's one left. There's one left. There's one left. All right. So um, Jesus has just had this question from the Greeks, right? These Greeks come up and they want to see him. And I want to just highlight again. The fact is the, the, that these disciples who were Jewish born, who grew up in Israel, they were not Greeks. They were Jews. And they were not Greek-speaking Jews either. They were not Gentiles or non-Jewish people. They were, they were like true blue, pure-blooded, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a bit of sectarianism going on between these groups of people based on race and based on nationality, right? Not based on faith, but based on race and nationality. And so there's there's almost like this unspoken thing that seems to be implied in the text. They go and they see Jesus. All right, sorry, the, the disciples are told by them, hey, these guys would like to see Jesus. So they come and they tell Jesus, hey, these guys want to come see you. And so Jesus' response to them is powerful. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I love this. It's like a classic Jesus statement. Like, hey, these guys want to see you. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And you're like, what? What What, what does that have to do with (laughs) these Greek guys who want to come and speak to you? Yeah. Right? But what's he doing? He's making a pronouncement about himself, and it's prophetic. He's saying, I am going to die. And I will be resurrected. He has told them multiple times, at least in the other gospel accounts, we've, we've heard at least three times in the gospel of Mark from memory before it happens that Jesus tells them explicitly, I will die. And three days later, I'll be resurrected. Like he gives them specifics. And so here he says this, this powerful illustration where he says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What's going on here? Any thoughts? Um, it's talking about, oh, also as well, because this is the first time that he has said that the hour has come. Because every other time he's been saying to them, my, my hour, hour has, has not, not yet come. come. That's a great yeah. point. And so what we see now is like Jesus is being revealed to everybody. It's not just the Jews. Boom. Yeah. Powerful point. So it's, 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 he, he has come for everybody, not just one nation, for every person that is on this earth. He has come to to save them. And so when it says, when it's talking about the, the seed, a seed, if it's in a packet, 
if it's just sitting there, it does actually does nothing. That's right. Yeah, it's you, dormant. It's, it's got, dormant. It's yeah. got potential. It does, but yeah. it does nothing. Absolutely, you nothing. don't get a tree from just holding a seed. What do you must yeah. do? You do with the seed? You have to plant it. You have, you have to, to put it, it. Yeah, put it in the soil. Put it in the dirt. It yeah. has to die. What it is, what yeah. it is now, must cease to be, yeah. so that it can become something that it's got the potential to become. Mm. Right? If the seed does not die, the tree does not grow. Mm. And so Jesus is here saying, if I do not die, then humanity will not be redeemed. Mm. This is huge. Huge. And I love the way that he says it. Unless a seed dies and is buried in the earth, it remains alone. So I love this. As long as I stay here and I do this, if I don't die, then I will be the only human being who gets to live forever, right? Which is very interesting to think about, right? (laughs) Because what right would Enoch or Elijah or Moses, who was resurrected, have to stay in heaven forever if Jesus didn't die? Because they're only there on virtue of the fact that Jesus has paid the penalty for their sins, mm. right? They were taken there as like almost like a first fruit, right? You're, you're almost there on lay-by. And yeah. it's proven in the fact that Jesus is crucified, buried, and resurrected. And I love this. I love this. Because Jesus does this, he will not be the only human being to live forever, but he can now raise up and bring with him all who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Mm. And I love this. He goes on and explains this more, but we're going we're gonna to have to move forward because I'm just like, I'll talk for an hour on this one spot because it's so powerful. But I love what he says there. He says, in context of that, right, that is not just something that Jesus himself does, but everyone who wants to follow Jesus. If you want to be a father of Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, if I want to do that, what does it look like? He says, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He says, look, if you want to live that life, if you want to be with me, if you want to accept me as Lord and Savior, your life by the grace of God will be laid down because you will follow me wherever I go. And Jesus is in the business of ministering and serving others for the sake of the kingdom of God for their salvation. And that's what our lives, if we're calling ourselves fathers of Jesus, are supposed to look like. We can't do that on our own power. The Holy Spirit must do that in us, and we need to be willing. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, let's keep reading. We are in John chapter 12, verse 27. Now now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. So powerful. So much going on in this little passage. I love... I love what's going on here with, with how Jesus is announcing. He's continuing the same thought that was in the previous paragraph. My time has come. Mm. The time. 
And I love what he says, right? This is the time, this is the hour when Jesus will be glorified. And he claims that that Daniel, Danielic, I don't know the right word for that, the, the title for Messiah in the book of Daniel as the Savior of humanity. He claims that, and he says, I will be glorified. I will be lifted up. And when he says lifted up, the people understand that that's a term for crucifixion. Mm. He says, I will be lifted up. And there's a, there's a play on the words there in the sense, at least in the English, I'm not sure about the Greek, but being lifted up on a cross to die, and yet his character, his glory, the glory of God, the nature of God, the character of God is on full display in the cross. And guess who else's character is on full display in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ? God's. God's is on display, and also the devil's is on display. Mm. Because what's the devil doing? Stirring up the crowd, inciting people to violence, to create, not to create, sorry, to kill, to crucify their own maker. This is the devil's intention, and this is the result of sin. All sin leads to this, leads to the desire to replace God with ourselves. And the only way to do that is to kill God and get him out of the way. And so I love this. Jesus is glorified, but the, 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 the true nature of the devil's character is also displayed fully in this moment. And it's powerful because because there's just this there's this connection that I just saw for the first time to Revelation chapter twelve where it talks about the devil and his fallen angels will be cast out of heaven right well we know they were cast to earth at the the fall of mankind in in Genesis chapter three etc and yet there's a sense in which the devil was cast out of heaven out of the hearts and the minds of the angels of God who still had the opportunity to question to doubt who was right. Was God right? Was Jesus right that he's, he is love, he is kind, he is compassionate? Or was the devil right that, yeah, God's just a liar, he's just full of himself, he's, he's selfish, he's greedy, like the lies that the devil spun in Genesis chapter 3 to the first man and the first woman. And in this sense, the devil is cast out, right? Who's the ruler of the world? It's talking about Satan, the devil. He is cast out of heaven because he's cast out of the hearts and the minds of the angels who when they see in the crucifixion, they see the character of God on full display. God is totally self-sacrificing love for the sake of fallen and broken humanity to save them at his own expense. And the devil's character is the exact opposite. He's there to kill his own maker to take his place. Selfishness and greed versus selflessness and love on full display. And they're cast out, right? Because the devil can't be the ruler of your heart and your mind if you surrender to the beautiful picture of who God is. When you see that on full display, how could you not clearly see, nah, the devil was a liar. The devil was a liar. It's powerful, hey. And if the devil's a liar, guess what that means about God? He's telling the truth. Whew, sorry, I just preached on a soapbox there. Hope that was beneficial to somebody. This is Jason Silver, Even Death on a Cross. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Who being in very nature Consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the 
very nature of, of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every Every knee should bow In heaven and earth And under the earth And every tongue confess That Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God The Father Oh, I was laughing. That's not the best way to come back in, but it's good because guess what? You're listening. It's to time it. for joy. It it's is time to be joyful. It's a good time to be joyful because we're reading the the Bible. You're listening to Real Faith, and yeah. we're joyful today. Yeah. And you're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. This is Faith FM Radio. We already did the giveaway. Did we give away two books, or did we still have one t- shell? One or two. We have one, one left. left. So, by the way, the code word again was Saga. Saga. S-A-G-A. And there is still one book to give away. That book goes through a commentary and practical applications of the last half of the book of John, which we're not going to be able to cover this year. So we want to encourage you to check that out. So call or text Saga to 491 And if you get in quick... You will get the last copy available for today. Hmm. So zero four nine one zero six four double six nine. Anything else you wanted to mention on that before we keep reading, Tash? There's just so much in that passage. Jesus is lifted up, right? Um, this it doesn't say there's a sign, but like there's a. They get to see. They get to see that there's something happening from heaven. Mm. Like heaven is literally speaking, saying, "This is I have glorified." The Father him. glorifies. Yeah, the Jesus Father glorifies Jesus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or glorifies his own name by by glorifying by glorifying Jesus, Jesus. which so it's is just great. Like a, another physical like sign. Of Isn't that what's awesome? Happening. Yeah. And what's really cool about that too, by the way, is when we glorify Jesus, we're actually all glorifying God the Father mm-hmm. because they have the exact same character. Mm. And I love that. Right? Jesus says, "If you have seen me, you have seen the Father." How long have I been with you? I think it's to Philip that he says this in John fourteen. He's like, "How long have I been with you, and you still don't get it?" If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know exactly the character of God. You've seen it in the flesh. Right? It's powerful stuff, man. Powerful stuff. I love also, while I'm thinking of it, sometimes it's very easy for us to get caught up in, in all the things that we do and whatever it is, and we forget that it's about lifting Jesus up. So there's the sense in which Jesus says, I, if I am lifted up, will draw all peoples to myself. And he says, so if I'm crucified, I will draw all men to me, all humanity to me. Right, And people are drawn. When you see the story of Jesus, people are drawn to it. It's supernatural, man. 
Yeah. And the reality is it's we're drawn to it because we see the character of God that we were meant to replicate, that we were meant to worship. And when we see that, there's this natural drawing to it. And yet it's at that point that we can choose to either accept or reject, to come with or to walk away. But notice this also. In our lives, whatever it is that we're teaching or doing or saying, we have the opportunity to either lift Jesus up or bring him down. And if we lift Jesus up in all that we do, in the way that we speak, in the way that we behave, in the way that we think and act, in the way that we treat others, when we lift Jesus up in the way that we teach the Bible, right? Every teaching of Scripture is connected to revealing the character of Jesus. And so if we miss Jesus when we teach something from Scripture, we're not teaching it the right way. Does that make sense? We might be teaching a powerful truth, but we need to know that it connects to Jesus because all the Scripture is about Jesus. So I love this. Lift Jesus up and people will be drawn to him. Okay, I'll stop preaching. We are now in John chapter 12, verse 36, halfway through the verse, when Jesus had... You got that for us, Tash? 36. Page 78. Oh, there it is. Yeah, the unbelief of the people is the subheading. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So, the, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he had heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their hearts Blinded their eyes, sorry, and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, of, many even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisee, they did not confess it, so that, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Woo! Hectic. Okay. There's a couple of things that jump out to me. And uh, let me know if there's other things that jump out because this is just profound. I think it's really incredible when you get here. First of all, John kind of like closes the fact that these this is the end of the book of signs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right? Though he had done so many signs, seven being a number of maturity or completion or perfection, right? This is just a small sampling. It's not everything that Jesus did, but he selected seven stories of particular signs or miracles that Jesus had performed, which kind of symbolizes that he had given them a complete picture. Like he'd done the work. He had done enough signs that everybody had enough reason to believe. And notice what it says. They still did not believe in him. Sometimes I think we can get really caught up and we can play this game of, God, you need to just show me. If you show me this, then I'll believe. If you just show me this, then I'll believe. And and God is very generous and gracious and merciful, and often he responds in ways that we just don't understand or expect to give us evidences that we don't deserve to see. And yet, most of the time when we play that game, we're just playing it to try and make up excuses not to believe. How many signs did they need to see? Because ultimately, the best sign that they saw was the character of Jesus, more than any of the miraculous things Right? And why did Jesus do all the miracles? Right? Every single one of those people, including Lazarus, died. Right? Like Lazarus was raised to life, and later on he got old, he died. Oh, I don't know if he was old. It doesn't tell us. But he eventually died. And the reality is Jesus didn't just heal their physical maladies for them because it wasn't permanent. There's an eternal fix coming at the resurrection when Jesus returns. But the primary purpose, as far as I'm concerned, of all of the miracles is to lead people to faith 
to put their hope and their trust in Jesus so that they can be raised up in the resurrection of the righteous and raised to eternal life, to spend eternity with him and to have the character of God imputed upon them so that they can represent Jesus faithfully. And yet there are some people who do believe, but notice how John says it. He says, hey man, there was a lot of people who decided to believe in Jesus, even even these people of the authorities, man. But they kept it secret. Why? Because they were more concerned about the glory of mankind, right? the glory that comes from other people. They didn't want to be castigated. They didn't want to be connected with him. Perhaps they knew about Lazarus being plotted to be killed as well, and they didn't want to be receive the same lot as Jesus. But let me tell you, my friends, there is no better lot to throw in with. To be associated with Jesus, whether that comes with glory now or the opposite of glory now, ultimately it does come with the only glory that really matters, the glory that is bestowed upon the saved at the second coming of Jesus. And that glory is really, truthfully, God's character lived out in our lives. Absolutely beautiful. That's beautiful. And I just want to tag onto that as well, is that after he revealed these things, he hid himself. He went away because Jesus doesn't bombard you with... Like we, we actually can't take everything in at once. It's like a information overload. You need to, people need to slowly, gradually come to understand. And he had slowly and gradually with his disciples shown them the seven signs. And now this is the culmination of everything, but he had to go away because they still need to make that decision on their own. So it's interesting. Hey, like, like God is there, but he gives you the space, gives you the space to work that out. Like work out what 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 that is that you need to do with him. What it is that I need to to make this a real faith journey with him. And so I think it's it's always really cool. But also at the same time, Jesus is is hiding himself and probably spending some time in prayer. Probably spending some time like re- recuperating and and getting himself ready for the next part. And and another thing too, I think you're right on those both those points. And I think another aspect of that is there are times where Jesus left the group of people where he would be glorified. Mm. There were many who were ready to glorify him, who were ready to crown him king, to take over the Roman Empire right now, right? Because of their misunderstanding, he had to walk away from the glory that they wanted to give because it was misplaced in a sense. Not misplaced in that he did not deserve that glory, but mis- misplaced in the sense that it was it was misdirected. It was misguided. Misguided. Right? Yeah. It wasn't misplaced yeah. upon Jesus. The glory was was due to Jesus. Mm. But it it wasn't it wasn't in the way that they anticipated, and that's a challenge I think for us too. That at times that's the way it works for us as well. Sometimes we might think it no oh, that won't happen to us, but it can. It can just as easily happen to us. Oh man, so much to say, so much to say. Come to Jesus. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried about the glory that comes or does not come from others. Throw your lot in with Jesus, because ultimately at the end he says, "Those who are not ashamed of me." are the ones that I will not be ashamed of at my coming. This is Miriam Blythe Peppers. I heard the voice of Jesus.
listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Make sure you tune in to The Breakfast Show to Encounter God, play the quiz, hear great music and noteworthy news. All that and much more every morning on Faith FM. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash on Faith FM Radio. And uh, hey, Shell, I'm just uh, trying to remember, what, what time is it? Awesome. So we've got a couple questions. Thank you for those questions. Uh, do you want to read that first one to us, Tash? So this first question comes from last week, and I don't remember who asked them. but um, His name is Darren. Awesome. Yep. So thank you, Darren. So it says, why is the atonement not applied to Satan and fallen angels? Colossians 1 verse 20 seems to imply that all created beings have the potential to be reconciled to Christ if they come to repentance and believe in him, even after having fallen into sin. All right, so what was that verse again? That was Colossians. So that was Colossians 1, verse 20. Okay, so Colossians 1, verse 20. So thank you for that question, Darren. We're going to do our best to answer that. Um, just to, to really, just to, to clarify that a little bit, simplify it down, the question is basically, what's the deal with angels? Did the angels have a chance for atonement or not? Right, Because it says in Revelation chapter 12 and elsewhere that the angels fell, right? Satan deceived even in heaven. Right, And a third of the angels chose to rebel and to go with Lucifer, and they are fallen angels. This is what we might call demons or evil spirits, all the same thing. They're angels who were in heaven. Revelation 12 makes it clear um, that they were cast out. Now, and which I actually mentioned earlier in the study, interestingly enough. <laughs> didn't even think about that. Um, but the question here is, what's the deal? Did they have a chance at salvation? Why is the atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross not applied to Satan and the fallen angels? Great question. So we're going to do our best to answer this with the limited amount of Scripture that talks about it. So the first of all, the verse that, that he's quoting here is Colossians 1, verse 20, which says, if I can find it, For it pleased the Father that in him, that is Jesus, all the fullness that is of God should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, so at first glance, it sounds like maybe this is about redeeming angels in heaven to God. Now, what's interesting to note, just as a, a quick side note on Colossians 1 verse 20, is that all of the angels had question, right? There was question about whether or not Lucifer, which is the, the angelic name for what we would call the devil or Satan, the name that's given in Scripture for him while before, prior to his fall, prior to sin, um, and when you think about that, what's very interesting to note is that all of the angels had a choice before them. Do we believe God or do we believe Lucifer? Do we believe God or do we believe the devil? A third of them, it tells us in Scripture, chose to side with the devil in this controversy or this disagreement or, as it says in Revelation 12, this war. And the word in Greek is polemos, which is where we get the word politics from, right? This political warfare that was going on about the character of God. So when you read this, you think, okay— very interesting. But what's fascinating to note is that there are a couple of other places in Scripture that mention specifically the fallen angels. And so we're going to read those. We're going to read four verses, four passages. The first one we're going to go to 
is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Have we got that there, Tash? Can you read that for us, please? It says, For assuredly he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. All right. Very interesting. So at first glance, we might go, well, what's the deal? Did the angels ever have a chance? Like, what's is there? Is God being different to us than he is to the angels? And the simple answer to that question is, the Bible doesn't tell us very much about the angels and about what opportunities they had. It's not very plain in Scripture. It's, it's not spoken of very often. But there are a couple of things that are known. In Job, it talks about how there's this council and it sounds like it's either angels or people from other worlds that God has created coming together for a council in heaven. And the devil appears in that council, and he seems to be claiming that he's the representative from earth, right? And you can check that out in Job chapter 1 and chapter 2. And there's a sense in which Lucifer or Satan was allowed to go back and continue to have involvement, continue to have engagement, to, to put forward his arguments about the character of God. And what's interesting is that we don't know much at all about these other created beings. It's not our story. What we are told in Scripture is the story of redemption that's available to us. So we don't really know. That's the, the, the short answer to your question, Darren, is the Bible doesn't tell us. But it does give us a couple of under indicators. So what else is going on here? So let's check this out. Let's look at Jude verse 7. So Jude has just one chapter, by the way. It says, In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah... And the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Oh, sorry. I read the, that was the wrong verse. Jude 6. Excuse oh. me. So Sodom and Gomorrah is an example of what's awaiting the fallen angels, which is verse 6. Let's read that. And, okay, got it. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority but abandoned their proper dwelling these he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chains for judgment on the great day. Okay, so what's going on here? It says that the angels who chose to rebel, right? And it doesn't describe for us very clearly in Scripture how long that process was in heaven. It doesn't tell us, you know, what, what was the deal? What was the process where, where Lucifer came and made this rebellion? But there was a time. And the other thing that's very interesting to note is they were in God's direct presence, they knew God face to face. So the information that they were privy to is different than the information we have been privy to as humanity. Even from creation, it was different. They were living in God's direct presence. So it's very interesting to note that this takes place after, right? That they are reserved for judgment. So they did not die. They did not suffer the, the punishment of eternal destruction then, but they are awaiting that punishment of eternal destruction at the final judgment. So the angels who have fallen, will be judged finally then, just like we, too, will be judged finally at the end of time. Interesting to note. Uh, let's read two more passages. Let's go to, uh, where was it? Second Peter? Peter 2, verse 4, and then we're going to read one more. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So and just, by the way, mm. the word there that's translated hell is the word in Greek, Tartarus, and it only appears a couple of times. So when you read through the Bible and you see the word hell show up, it's almost never that word. If I remember correctly, it shows up one or two times in the whole of the Bible. So it's a very specific word, and it's not the picture that we commonly think of, that they are reserved in some fiery place that's eternally burning that God leaves them in charge of. That is not the picture. The picture is more that they are kept here on the earth 
not able to leave, this earth has become like a prison to them so that they cannot go and infect other places with the evil, right? Other places in the, in the universe. Okay, last one. Last one we're going to go to is Revelation chapter 20. Now, all of that is to say, as I said before, Darren, just briefly, and we've only got like one more minute on this, and then we've got to answer another question, is that the Bible doesn't actually make it clear to us what redemptive actions God had done, but the character of God reveals to us that something would have been done, it seems to me. That's just my personal opinion, but the Bible does not tell us. But we see the character of God on display throughout all of Scripture as one that is merciful and and for redemption. But we are just unaware of, from Scripture that is, of what's going on there. So lastly, this is the one thing that I think is really helpful. So this is the prophecy in Revelation chapter 20. So this takes place after what's called the millennium or the thousand years after Jesus comes. There's a thousand year period. And during this time, the devil and his fallen angels are changed to the earth, so to speak. There's no one to tempt. There's no one alive on planet earth. The saved are in heaven with Jesus. The dead, uh, the, the wicked or the lost are just dead in their graves awaiting the final judgment. They're asleep in the grave. And it's just the devil and his fallen angels on earth. And after that time, it says God resurrects the wicked for judgment. And this is how Satan and his fallen angels respond. It says this. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. And this is what they do. So that Satan, as soon as he sees that the, the wicked are resurrected for judgment, he goes around and he starts deceiving them again, lying to them to try and get them to go and fight against God's kingdom, the new Jerusalem that has descended to the earth. It says they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city and fire came from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, etc., etc. And here's the point. What this demonstrates very clearly prophetically is this. Even after thousands of years of earth's history, there is no change. They have taken themselves to the point where they are no longer willing or capable of responding to repentance, right? We can get ourselves to the point where we are so caught up in our own lies that we believe them ourselves, and we are unwilling and unable now by our own choices to hear the voice of God, right? That's a scary prospect, where we we reject the Holy Spirit so much that we're just not even able to hear His voice anymore. That's the picture that's that's painted. Even after thousands of years of Earth's history, there's no change in the heart of Lucifer. There's no change in the heart of the fallen angels. Even after a thousand years of basically time out, right? No one there except them. They still are not repentant. And I think ultimately for me, that's one thing that I find very comforting. That even after all of that, their character has been decided and chosen. They act out in that way, and it's then that God executes judgment. So I hope that's helpful to you, Darren. That was a long-winded answer. And our second question comes from David, and it's a shorter question and a shorter answer. It says, where was the dust that Adam was made from? What nationality was Adam? Great question, and I think the simple answer to that is this. All of humanity that we see today, all of our what we might call nationalities or ethnicities, none of them existed when Adam was made, right? Every single human being that you or I have ever seen goes back to one man and one woman. That's Noah, by the way. We all descended from Noah, who himself was, and and his wife, obviously, who themselves were both descendants of Adam. So whatever nationalities there were at the time of Noah, we all descend from just one of them, 
even all of the complexity and the diversity of whether you have darker skin or lighter skin or somewhere in between or you're tall or short based on your ethnic, ethnic uh, ethnocentric uh, abilities. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Your genetics, that's the word. All of those things, none of the nationalities that exist now, none of them existed then. We all came from one nationality, one ethnicity, one race. And so the reality is that the, whatever Adam was made from, whatever dust that was, we don't know exactly where it was from. Some people say it was most likely modern Africa. Some people the middle, the middle, modern-day Middle East. But it doesn't change the fact that we are all of one race, the human race. Tragic struggle, not some endless search Just the story of some kids growing up in church We took in every moment with open eyes and ears And one day took to heart what we saw
You are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and this is Faith FM Radio. And that song was Brian Free and Assurance, or by Brian Free and Assurance, and the song was entitled Real, Real Faith. Faith. <laughs> I love it. Well done, Shell. Well done. I know. The last song of the show for the year mm. that we get to announce by name. So, all right, we're going to read through the last section, and then we're going to get into our practical application. So let's read John chapter 12, verse 44 through 50. And thank you to Darren and David for your questions. We hope that that was beneficial. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. And that's where we close for the year on our journey in John. I want to just say one thing out of that that I think is really, it just struck me. I love that Jesus says here, when you believe in me, you're not just believing in me like here and now. You're actually believing in the Father, the one who sent me. And in a real sense, when we are delivering the message of God, the words of God to other people, the same is true. Like if they believe, it's not about believing in us. It's about believing in the one who sent us. When we share Jesus, it's about Jesus. And when people accept the message of Jesus, they're not just accepting Jesus. They're also accepting God the Father, right? Like it goes back to those steps. And I think it's just so beautiful and powerful because elsewhere Jesus says, you are the light of the world, right? Because we can have the Holy Spirit in us. We get to share the light that is Jesus. The other thing that I really like in this that I think is really powerful is he says, I didn't come to judge the world. That was not the reason that Jesus came to do his earthly ministry. It was to save the world. And I love this because when he when he says this next piece, it comes back to, we talked about judgment a couple of weeks ago. It came up over and over and over again. What does he say that is going to do the judging? It's his words. We will be judged by the words of God. And so if we want to know and understand what those things are, we want to be convicted and to, to repent and to confess, to come to Jesus, we, we need to seek his word. And we have access to his word. If you live in a Western context, you have more access to the word of God than anybody in previous human history. Mm. It's available in more languages. It's available at a cheaper cost than ever before in Earth's history. There's no excuse for us, is there? If you have access to a Bible, if you can read, we can go and we can see the very words that Jesus says will be the words that judge us. Right? Do we put our faith and our trust in Jesus? Do we seek for his forgiveness? Do we ask for him to cleanse us and to change our hearts? Or do we reject it? It's really, it's right there, isn't it? It's yes. powerful. So don't don't walk away from the word of God, but walk towards it. Seek the word of Jesus. All right, in our last few minutes of the show, for the last show of the year, what are some practical applications? Number one, read the Bible and put it into practice. I think that's a pretty <laughs> obvious one. Yeah. And by the way, yeah. read the rest of the book of John Please, over the holidays. Yes. Don't wait for us. You need to do it yourself. The Holy Spirit will lead you and teach you. What else can we take from this? Um, everybody is given light. The light of the world is Jesus, but he doesn't He doesn't leave you in darkness. Mm. So when you start, it, you don't know everything. And, and you don't know it ever. And you don't know it ever. I don't think you will. Ever. You don't know everything ever. <laughs> everything ever. And the journey with Jesus is that it continues in light and he will take you out of darkness. And it will give you more light and more light and more light, which is 
like not just knowledge, not just but light into your life, light into the the lives of others. And so I think that's that's an awesome, yeah, awesome takeaway. Another practical application is to be encouraged when you face difficulties for your faith in Jesus, when people persecute you, when people treat you the way Jesus was treated in terms of the disbelief, the persecution, everything that's going on there. Just remember, be encouraged by the fact that you are in good company. Lazarus, who was resurrected from the dead, they also plotted to kill him. And may we be encouraged when we face difficulties that Jesus said this would come. This should be an assurance to us that we are on the right track if we are being faithful to the word of God. And that's the reason. If we're being persecuted because we were in the wrong, that's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're being persecuted for being faithful to what Jesus says, you're in good company. And God is behind you and God is for you. That's so true. Um, oh, another thing. Uh, one of my favorite verses here is, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. And I think uh, you said something last week about um, sometimes we're, what we do is chop down the trees so people can see Jesus better. Mm. I stole that too, by the way. Oh, no. Nothing that's, is new under the nothing sun. Nothing is new under the sun. I'm totally <laughs> for that. No copyright on the gospel. And oh, yeah. um, I think, I don't know, sometimes we, we think that the Bible is about uh, look at our sin, look at our sin, and it's bad. But like the gospel is good news. Like The gospel is Jesus. The gospel is the person of Jesus. And so, man, I, I know we come with, with baggage, and we know we're coming with sins, and I know we're learning and growing. But man, if you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, that that's all that matters. Yeah. And by the way, that's the way to overcome sin, because what is repentance? It's turning. It's turning Turn over. from your sins. But yeah. we, we you don't just turn from your sin and look at, Look at that tree over there, right? You're like, <laughs> yeah. uh, let me just fill it. No, you got to replace it with the thing that's going to keep you turned mm. away from sin, which is Jesus. Because yeah. if you're looking full into his face, everything else gets dim, right? Mm. Like the words of that beautiful song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Another thing that I really think is powerful, and this is another practical application, is the illustration of the seed. Mm. Jesus says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And so Jesus says to us, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And i just like to remind us that following Jesus looks like serving the kingdom of God. It looks like loving people. It looks like laying our lives down, even literally if necessary, to save people to lead people to Jesus. And so if we really want to be effective in this life, if we want to be bearing fruit for the kingdom of God, we have to be willing to put others before ourselves. That's challenging. It's not easy for any of us, but that's the upward call of Jesus. All right, my friends. Well, thank you for joining us. May God bless you and keep you. May you have a wonderful holiday season. Uh, blessed Christmas time, and uh, may God bless you and keep you. And between now and the next time we chat, remember that real faith is live faith. faith.